Hey, thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us and tell one of your colleagues about the interview you're about to hear or have heard in the past. We hope you enjoy our conversations and that you'll listen to others in our library. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions, please reach out. We'll do our best to incorporate them. Thanks again. Welcome to the Real Perspectives Podcast. I'm your host, co-founder and publisher of the registry, Vladimir Bosanets. If this is not your first time listening to our show, welcome back. And for those of you who are finding us for the first time, thank you for joining us. Today's guest is William Sankey, the founder and CEO of Northspire, a company that was created from Sankey's experience working on complex design and development projects and that has led him to apply AI and predictive analytics in order to de-risk those same developments and improve the overall project management workflow and significantly reduce costs. This conversation takes us on a personal tour of Sankey's background and how this company came to be, as well as a peek into the future of technology in commercial real estate development. Welcome to the podcast, William. William, good afternoon. How are you? Good. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, looking forward to our conversation and learn a bit, learning a little bit more about what, what you guys are up to. Um, but, you know, William, kind of as, um, as, um, as a tradition here, what I usually ask my guests is to give a little bit of an introduction, you know, a, about themselves, kind of how their career led them to where they are. And I think in your case, it's, it's an interesting story. So uh, tell us a little bit about how, how you started and, you know, uh, how it all came together. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm, I'm William. I'm one of the co-founders of Northspire. Um, and, you know, we've been around about five years, but I started my career on the traditional side of real estate development and a little bit of a like winding path to get there, but I was always very focused around the built environment. So, um, you know, even in college, I, I studied uh, architecture at Yale and then I studied like urban planning and real estate development. So I was always pretty fascinated with like, how do you construct the built environment? How do you do it better? Um, and I, I, um, I graduated, I finished grad school during the Great Recession, where it was definitely a difficult time for the real estate development, architecture, sort of whole construction industry, right? And, yeah. and um, you know, that, that was really influential on my path because um, I had a chance to hop onto a project they were doing a billion dollar expansion renovation of Madison Square Garden, the sports arena in New York. And, you know, generally um, it's the type of project that, you know, it'd be very difficult to get onto and all of that. But I was, I lucked out and I got to be the assistant to the project executive. And it was also a good time because it was a lot of all-stars on that project. These were like project leads that may have been running, building, uh, terminals at JFK Airport or like working on the World Trade Center rebuild. And because of the, the, you know, the poor economy, a lot of these people were clustered on this like one like large project going on. Um, everybody was available, every, <laughs> in other words. Exactly. Everybody was available. So I had a lot of tremendous mentors 
Um, you know, I was working at the time with Jones uh, Lynn LaSalle, sort of massive company, their development service group. And, you know, I thought what was interesting was pretty immediately I was surprised that, you know, this is one of the most iconic products in New York. We've definitely one of the premier real estate service firms that exists. And we had this all-star caliber of cat, uh, you know, project leads, this all-star cast uh, working on the project. But there was, it was very like paper driven manual. There were extremely convoluted spreadsheets being used to manage the flow of 30 to $80 million every month and hundreds of vendors. And so I was a little bit surprised and I thought to myself, wow, like this is like, this is the best of the best and this is how things are run. Maybe this is an anomaly, but as I, I continue my career, um, you know, I work for Harry Macklow, uh, you know, sort of a visionary developer in New York, uh, work with the guys at Madison Realty Capital, really smart, like, like finance minded guys, a real estate private equity firm, and they had started a development arm. And I, I worked in that group, all very different companies on the outside. Sure. Yeah. But a lot of the same problems around how people manage projects in a way that, you know, it's very dependent on either legacy application that may have been built for adjacent industry, maybe built for construction companies or built for property managers and accountants, but not really built for project decision makers. Um, and so, you know, I had a few insights over that time. And I also, you know, I started learning to code at night because I thought to myself, well, at some point, uh, a robot might do some of this, like, okay. <laughs> maybe I need right. to future proof myself because I might get put out of a job. So, you know, that was maybe the initial impetus. I started coding at night. So software developer by night, real estate developer by day, did that for like four years, just sort of learning and, and building little tools to help run my project by day. And I, you know, I had some like insights into how things might be better and like maybe yeah. like uh, some data models for how you could leverage information. I guess out of that, Northfire was born. So partnered up with much smarter engineers than, than me, my co-founder, Mark McCorkle, and uh, North Spire was born in, in 2017. So that was a little bit of like my, my rambling path through the real estate industry, starting in architecture. And now, now here I am on the tech side. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the company. You know, what, what does it do? What is its products and who is your typical customer? Yeah. So North Spire is a real estate project delivery and cost tracking automation technology um, that leverages advanced technologies like automation, data analytics, and artificial intelligence, um, all to help teams get to easier, more predictable outcomes on projects. So, you know, if you've ever run a real estate development project, you know, they often are anything but easy or predictable. They're often extremely difficult, extremely risky, um, a lot of twists and turns, um, and it can be extremely lucrative when things go well, but oftentimes they don't, um, and it's, it can be really unpredictable. And so like, you know, at our core, we leverage these technologies to help teams do that effectively, get those easier, more predictable outcomes. And by virtue of that, they can get higher returns, they can increase profit margins, they can have happier team members, uh, happier project leads that aren't spending 40% of their time as, uh, as one of my old bosses used to call it a glorified paper pushers. Uh, but instead they're sort of now more strategic decision makers because they're leveraging automation to do a lot of the legwork while they focus on this higher order decision making and thinking and value creation. So that's what we do. Um, we replace what often processes that are often happening in spreadsheets 
um, and right. makes applications or just in people's guts and how they make decisions and uh, usually not a very like data informed way. So that's, that's what we do today. Yeah. And any case studies, any sort of successes that you can showcase, uh, you know, in terms of what, what you guys have been able to do over the last few years? Yeah, I'm really, ex you know, I'm really proud to say that, you know, our team, we have a fantastic team and, you know, we were founded in New York. Um, we spent our first couple of years primarily working with developers in New York and, and Boston. Um, one of our first customers that took a chance on us on our vision of how to leverage automation. Um, there is a, a woman named Jean Savitsky, who's the director of real estate at the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And at the time, uh, they were doing a large expansion and renovation of the museum, which is really fantastic if, if you, if you uh, haven't been, I think, in, in the past few years. And so, like, that was one of our first major, really credible customers. And so, you know, since then, we facilitated well over $50 billion of projects across the country. Um, and, you know, I like to say Northwire is asset class agnostic. Uh, we work on complex real estate projects regardless of what type of project it is. We do a lot of multifamily residential, whether it's rentals, it's mixed use. We do office. Um, we've even built sports arenas. Uh, if you okay. if you follow the NHL and you think about teams that have glistening new sports arenas, one of those may have been run on uh, North Spire, right? Um, <laughs> and then we you know we work across regions. I think over time, we're pretty much in every major city in the US and you know there's fantastic projects like the um if you're down in Washington DC they've done a massive like city within a city redevelopment of the Fannie Mae campus historic Fannie okay. Mae campus uh where they've leveraged North Spire you have uh ex local developers down in Atlanta um with a, a really incredible project called the Interlock uh which is in West Midtown Atlanta it has been in some ways probably one of the most exciting city, uh, projects in that city in the past like few years. And so, you know, we're, we have these type of projects cropping up across the country. And again, they're all type yeah. of projects, sports arenas, healthcare, um, office, industrial distribution. Um, so, you know, I think um, we hope that this is just the beginning, but if you're building a complex real estate project, you probably can leverage automation and data to be even better at what you do. And Northfire is going to help you do that. Yeah, yeah. And and that's interesting that you talk about all the different sort of, you know, f food groups, as you will, within the commercial real estate space, because your company was founded just, just years kind of prior to the COVID pandemic, right? And the industry, I think, across all of those food groups was really in a growth stage, right? But that has evolved, <laughs> as we know. There are certain, um, you know, parts of the industry today that are doing better than, you know, others. Have you guys been able to, you know, uh, you know, pivot or change or adapt to that? I mean, I'm sure the answer is yes, but but I would love to hear sort of what what your perspective kind of on the on the market is from uh, from from your angle. Yeah, I mean, you know, we prior to the pandemic, we were a relatively small company, and um, you know, I like to say, you know, the pandemic in a lot of ways, like catalyzed the change that was probably going to happen regardless um, in terms of how people work, whether that sure. was, you know, all types of industries, but even in, you know, what people might call old school industries like real estate development, um, you know, teams where if you were managing 200 different vendors on your project, lighting designers, surveyors, 
and you're managing complex budgets and financial partners, often you're printing out PDFs or sitting around a table in an office every two weeks to get a snapshot check in and discuss things and collaborate. And so like, you know, that was an opportunity in some ways for teams to sort of re-envision how they work and, and the possibilities for how they could deliver complex real estate projects with teams that were a bit more distributed, more remote. Um, and so, you know, it was pretty fascinating to see Northwire we grew really fast during the pandemic because teams saw it as a way to do their jobs better and accomplish their goals in this new environment. Um, as teams turn to like cloud-based technologies um, yeah. and, and even yeah. ones that help them be more nimble. So, you know, I think, um, you know, it was a, there's definitely a lot that happened during the pandemic. I think if you look at where we are now, there's definitely been some changes, right? I think headed into the pandemic, there were certain asset classes that were a larger segment of our customer base than when they were right. today. That was kind of where my question was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you think about, you know, you probably have the guesses, right? Like office is one that, you know, prior to the pandemic was, you know, probably 40% of our customer base, um, whether it was office fit outs for ground up core shell. Um, that is definitely less of the case today. You know, we still do fantastic office projects, but often these sure. are now like a lot of like class A office that have that have been highly amenitized with other uses. Um, you know, a good, a good example being like the interlock in Atlanta that I talked about where companies are now like saying, well, if you want people to work in an office, you have to make it a destination that's interesting. So they might be coupling this with like retail, like trendy restaurants, hotel that's bringing in tourists um, and, and sort of like novel novelty type of like experiential type uh, uses. So, you know, we do see that. Um, and then, you know, you saw e-commerce really spiked during the pandemic. So we, yeah, yeah. prior to, to the pandemic, we probably weren't doing any industrial or like uh, distribution centers and last like distribution. But post pandemic, we've done billions of dollars of, of uh, distribution and industrial across the country. A lot of that due to like, you know, I wouldn't say the rise of e-commerce, which has been rising for a while, but, you know, you sort of really, it really got elevated to uh, an extent that was uh, even even unexpected during the pandemic. So, you know, a lot of change. Yeah. yeah. What have been some of the biggest lessons learned there for you as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I like to think of it as the pandemic was a way for us to step back a little bit. And, you know, if you peel back the layer, right, um, whether it is, you know, lessons learned uh, as an entrepreneur, but I think, you know, how we work with our customers and how we work as a company, like at the end of the day, like businesses are humans, right? And so, you know, beneath this sort of, you know, facade, we are a corporation and we work with other businesses and developers as humans in both places. And I think the pandemic really brought that into this broad relief. And so I think it reinforced this idea of customer empathy and just human empathy, right? Like we're all sort of going through this difficult time, um, just in our personal lives, but also how we do our jobs effectively. And so I think like, as we thought about like, how can we, like, what can we do to be like more empathetic towards our customers and towards our team and all of that, I think, you know, you. A lot of the core of what we just the same, but I think in some ways 
we really start to hone in. So an example might be that like a lot of people on our team are former real estate project managers. So these are people okay. that, you know, they weren't like people in the tech industry in search of a problem to solve. They were people that had experience right. at firsthand. They spoke the language of our customers. And so we brought on a lot of those type of people into our company during the pandemic so that they can go out and be what we call real estate transformation consultants. These are people that worked dedicated one-to-one with our customers. They could speak their language. They could help them. They could be very empathetic to the problems that our customers were having um, from, from a, you know, what they're trying to accomplish in terms of goals on their projects and trans- transforming their like internal change management around technology, uh, but also just around like, how do I talk to you as a human who understands you? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think during the pandemic, that's really coming to like, you know, importance for all of us, something to step back and think about. So lesson, business lesson in a sense, even though it's a very human uh, standard lesson. Yeah, and and I think on on a certain level, I don't think you can separate the two, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because like like you said, you're always dealing with people. So, you know, even though it's a business transaction, business negotiation, whatever, right? Um, it's still a human interaction, and I think that's a that's a very interesting perspective that you bring. As you look into now, kind of into the next cycle, I mean, I would you know kind of the post COVID, uh, not necessarily that COVID is gone, but you know we're we're now living with it. That there's this new sort of you know norm of how things are done. Um, h- how do you guys look at, you know, where your company is going, areas of focus, you know, whether it's, you know, growth or optimization, you know, where, 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 where is your focus now? Yeah, I guess in a lot of ways, our core mission has not changed from the very beginning, but there, there are some differences, right? You know, our, at our core, what we've always existed to do is answer the question of like, how can we help empower real estate project teams to deliver complicated projects, unpredictable yeah. projects in an easier, more predictable fashion. That's like at the root of it. And by by doing this, you know, by leveraging automation, by leveraging AI, um, we help developers, you know, high value talent um, be able to not spend their time so much in like administrative burden, um, but be able to like refocus on high, higher order like ideas, whether that is like, how do I make a project that is more livable for my community? How do I generate, how, because it's less risky, because I've been able to leverage technology automation and more data empowered project delivery method is less risky. I can maybe like build more. How do we make more affordable housing? That's something that is like really important. To, how do we build more? There's always a shortage yeah. of housing. Um, and so I think at our core mission of like, how do we make it easier, more predictable? You have these other things that have like grown off of that are responsive to just like, how do we all live in our cities? And, you know, developers are our customers, but they are sort of these visionaries that are building cities and transforming how we live and placemaking. Um, so I think, you know, there's been that, but I think if you think about the product and how we've responded to that, like um, the product continuously evolved. I like to think that, one, we're super responsive to what our, our customer feedback. So we're a tool that was purpose-built for real estate developers. We don't sell yeah. to construction companies. We don't sell to other types of companies, right? So all of our like internal loop of feedback is from people that have the same problems. And so we're, every day we're rolling out like two to seven updates. We, we move really fast. And some of those are small like responses to things we hear. Some of those are really major and really transform the way people work. 
Um, you know, and when we started, we mostly focused around that construction phase of the project. But, you know, earlier this year, we released a product called Norsefire Plan, which sort of takes you further. It sort of expands the life cycle where we can help you leverage data and automation to make smarter, faster, better decisions. And that's the pre-development phase as well. So now we're helping real estate teams from the inception of the idea when they're doing due diligence or trying to decide, should I even do this project all the way through lease up and stabilization. And so, you know, okay. Okay. window expands and um, it's uh, the mission is the same, but the product and the types of things we add around that continuously evolve and grow. Yeah. So that means, you know, technically that the construction folks and the architects and others are using it then um, on a regular basis. Is that is that accurate? Did I understand that correctly? So we we work directly with real estate developers who then, just to give you a sense, the average real estate developer that uses Northfire works with 230 plus different vendors. Some of those being sure. like architects, yeah. engineers, and then things that maybe you don't think about that much if you're not running a project like yeah. your hardware yeah. consultant or a consultant that keeps the wind and rain from getting between the bricks and the windows. Right. Um, right. And so all of those people are sort of in the orbit of the developer, um, but the developer is the core user of Northfire today. Um, that said, uh, we, we, we did release a product that is starting to bring some of those vendors into the mix more directly. Uh, we've released a vendor marketplace. Uh, and yep. that's a bit of a hint in the future where we're headed, where we're able to leverage a lot of the data and information we have about vendors and present that directly to real estate owners and allow vendors also to present themselves and collaborate uh, with owners. Yeah. Are you uh, noticing any uh, sort of, you know, distinction in activity uh, across geographies? So uh, let's start maybe with, you know, U.S., North America. Mm -hmm. Are there certain parts of the country where, you know, you're, you know, more active? Are there certain parts of the world uh, where you're more active? Um, you know, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good question because everything's always some flux, right? Like patterns and flows of where people go, what's getting built. Um, you know, to date at Northspire, we sell domestically in the United States. Um, now, you know, we started in New York and Boston, like I mentioned, and we were there our first couple of years, but now we're in every major city in the U.S. Like any major city you can name, there's probably a developer or multiple developers using Northspire. Um, and I guess, you know, whether that's Atlanta or Dallas, but then, you know, it's interesting because during the pandemic, a lot of, uh, markets saw influx of people that may be like for the first time are untethered from the physical location where they work. So especially like right. in the Western U S uh, you know, interesting, we have, uh, customers in places like Montana that you might not associate with like large scale complex real estate development products, but they exist. And they're using Northspire on projects, um, places uh, like, you know, cities you probably predicts like uh, Salt Lake City, but even ones like Iowa, you know, sitting at the center of the country where, you know, you, again, Mark is that you might not always think of as like a real estate gateway, but these are places with economies that have their own robustness, whether it's around distribution or, or other things. And uh, they have real estate needs and they are, yeah, You're also yeah, of on course. that wave of technology adoption. Yeah, and and you know you know the reason I'm also asking because I guess during the pandemic there's been sort of a you know a uh, uh, you know demographic shift towards certain markets, mm -hmm. right? And I'm just you know also curious whether you've seen that trickle down into what you guys do as well. So 
uh, I would imagine, you know, West Coast markets are going to be active simply because, you know, technology is a, you know, such a pervasive thing in general. Um, so arguably the, even the, even the development teams are going to be more actively using it. Right. But having things, you know, expanding into the Southeast and other, other parts, I'm, um, I was just curious if, if you're seeing that now sort of, you know, uh, you know, push you guys into, into, uh, into other markets as well. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, um, I think that's certainly a part of the case. Right. And, you know, some of it is, if you go back five years ago, there's just so little penetration of technology into the real estate sure. delivery process right. that, you know, part of it is there's just room to expand everywhere because That's right. people just That's weren't right. really like using uh, these types of technologies. Uh, but I do think, you know, if you look at the proportion of projects that we run across the country, um, there's a lot happening in like Sunbelt markets, as you might expect. Yeah. You know, it's been a long-term trend, but one that, you know, whether it's Miami or, or the Carolinas, right, or, or Texas, right? Um, but again, you know, and pretty much in every major market you can think of. And then even in places like the Midwest, right? Like, you know, one of our biggest markets is a city, uh, you know, it's probably controversial. I shouldn't say the greatest American city because that'll get me, uh, you know, it's a lot of, you know, <laughs> I can only go wrong there. But, you know, as a person who loves architecture, you know, places like Chicago, Right. Like, yes. like we have a lot of fantastic customers, a lot of real estate development happening in markets like that as well. So, um, yeah, I, I used to live in Chicago, William. I think we can agree that it is the greatest city in the world, right? <laughs> well, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say for the record, Vladimir said it, but I, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, you know, that's right. You know, you know, we're a New York based company, not Vladimir. Yes, so of I, course. Of course. Uh, yeah. 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 And New we York. won't even get into the pizza discussion, right? Which is, which is a whole other, a whole other thing. <laughs> now that one between uh, those two, you know, those two cities. That's casserole in Chicago. Yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Stand. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, as you guys, as you guys, you know, look into kind of the, you know, next decade, right, of where you'd like to go. And I know that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a tough question, because you're probably looking at things, you know, 18 months, 36 months, you know, but um, are, are there certain parts, certain parts of the industry? Um, and by that, I mean, you know, like multifamily, industrial, right, uh, medical office, right, where you are seeing, um, you know, m more opportunity perhaps in the, in the sort of near to mid future for, for North Spire? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to say, right? Because I think, you know, no one would have predicted where we are today five years ago when North Spire was founded. Um, but I think, you know, if I look out across all of these asset classes that we could potentially, you know, there's definitely going to be you know, I venture to say, you know, we're talking about just like what spaces where maybe there might be more real estate development happening. I think we can venture to say that there's going to be a lot of retrofit of office spaces in a lot of ways, whether that is into office that is more appealing and attractive to get people eager to come into the office that might not have to in the way they had to in the past or um, transforming into other uses. You know, there's, there's definitely not a shortage of housing across the United States. And uh, a lot of offices are in very desirable um, neighborhoods and locations with great transit access that lend itself well to other, other type of uses. So I, I do think that's something that we'll see. But, you know, I think just across asset class, right, because North Spire is asset class agnostic, we work across any type of asset class. I think 
the trend is really like, what will they all be doing in some sense? And I think, yeah, I, I think what they'll all be doing that's pretty different is, you know, if you look for a decade, like to date, people are using convoluted error prone spreadsheets. Teams are spending maybe half of their man hours on administrative work. Um, and so I think you'll see broad adoption of automation, artificial intelligence. Um, and, you know, you see that across other industries already, but I think it'll definitely be fully penetrated in real estate development. If you, one industry I like to compare us to is the automobile industry because it's also very capital intensive. You're building complex things, a lot of capital. Execution is really critical and difficult, right? And so I think there's some similarities. And if you go back to like, you know, 25 years ago in the automobile industry, you look at automobile factories, a lot of it was about how much muscle you had at these factories, right? To make things go, right? That's not all that dissimilar in some ways to the analogy of like real estate teams using a lot of muscle to do paperwork. Um, I think, but now if you go to automobile factory, you see it's about robotics, automation, and data to drive continuous learning and this sort of feedback loop of improvement around delivery of yep. cars. That's happening in real estate development, but we're at the beginning of that revolution. Um, and it's, you know, it's taken longer because real estate is more complicated. Every site is different. Every locality is different, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. It's happened on, we've done over $50 billion of projects in a very short amount of time. And so there's about $2 trillion of building projects that happen every year, just in the US, 10 trillion globally. So you can imagine we're a bit of a, a drop in the bucket of the potential, but we're very fast growing and drop where teams are saying, hey, like now, like, you know, just to give you a sense, we work with about 200 customers across the country. It used to be no one even, you know, knew what we were or that you could use artificial intelligence to help drive proactive insights and early warnings on your project. Yeah. Now yeah. people are like, I think I heard of a guy in my city that's doing a cool project that may be doing something different. And so I think if you fast forward a decade, whether it is multifamily, it's mixed use, whether it's office, any asset class, I think that's going to be the trend that we're looking at. It's like, Real estate finally uh, stopped operating. Even the most sophisticated firms stopped op operating like uh, old-fashioned mom and pop. And everybody is now data-empowered enterprises that are leveraging automation and artificial intelligence to be like smarter, faster, and more you know more competitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, William, are are you getting interest from folks outside of the U.S.? Yes. We definitely do, and uh, it's, it's not our focus. So sometimes we have to turn down customers. Um, occasionally, we'll have customers that are working in other markets. And so we do have a few projects that are outside of the US, but we don't actively go out selling beyond the US today. But um, sure, you know, if you look into the next, let's say like 18 to 24 months, we'll probably be expanding into English speaking international market, Canada, UK, Ireland, Australia, and then yeah. uh, who knows from there? There's a lot of real estate and and a lot of the world that needs to be built in a more data driven fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as as you said, you know, in the last five years, there's been a transformation in the industry and uh, adoption of I think technology throughout. You know, the built you know the build process, right? Um, as we kind of go into into the next you know cycle of that right um do you do you foresee um 
Well, I think the answer for for that is obvious. You 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 will foresee expansion, right? But but how? And you know where where does North Spire sort of fit there? And how do you guys distinguish yourselves from you know others who might be doing you know similar things? Yeah, um, it's a it's a really good question. Um, I think um, one of the really interesting things about our space is it's a pretty massive space. You know, people building a real estate project, um, and it's involves like you know tens of thousands of real estate developers just in the U.S. Um, tr- literally trillions of dollars of spend every year. Um, that's happening. And um, what I think is is somewhat like fascinating is that like companies like Northspire, um, you know, there aren't many companies like Northspire, first of all. So I think it's something that, you know, we were probably a few years ahead of the curve. I think, you know, definitely investors, great investors that have invested in Northspire have sort of noticed that like, oh yeah, wow, we have one of the biggest industries left in the world that is not deeply penetrated by technology. Um, and uh, it's a space where even, you know, if you think like sort of adjacent industries where like construction companies are even using tools like Procore or like, you know, property managers are using things like, you know, Yardi, MRI and Appfolio and all of that. But people building these complex projects and allocating this capital are often using pen, pencil, spreadsheets. Um, and so, you know, the, the revolution of how we go from there to this like future state, I think we're definitely ahead of the curve. Um, we don't have a lot of uh, companies today that are leveraging like technologies like artificial intelligence and, and, and automation as part of that process. Um, but I do think you'll see a lot more because it is a, a massive space. Um, and I think in terms of like, how do we grow to do that? Um, you know, one is people are starting to hear about Northfire just by virtue of people saying, wow, they had incredible success on that project. And, you know, you could imagine if if you could build one of the most complex development projects in your city, and in the past, you would be up to every night, you'd be up working every night to 11 p.m., trying to get out your, like, 300-page monthly tax to your financial partner and trying to negotiate, do your background research and negotiate change orders. And now it's a little bit like magic because in the background, a machine is doing a lot of the legwork. And now you're just aimed every day at focusing on strategic things and getting off of work on time or making more money by running more projects than you usually would have with like a leaner, uh, more informed, uh, data-informed staff. I think like it's... it's, uh, I think the word is getting out. And then one of the things we were doing is we're hosting a lot of events because we do believe that okay. real estate is such a local game, right? Yes. Like, you know, right. people see projects that we run in New York and they're like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. But do you know anybody in my city? And, you know, fortunately today we have customers in every major city in the U.S. And one of the great things that our team is starting to do, and we started recently, actually, we had our first one of these uh, North Spire cocktails and community in Dallas uh, where we kicked off, we have a lot of customers in the Dallas market. Um, and it was an opportunity to one, uh, show our customers appreciation and invite them to get together, food, drinks, conversation, but also to invite other developers in the community to network and to be able to talk to people like our customers who are maybe like sort of ahead of the curve, the forward thinking vanguard yep. in the industry. Yep. So I think, you know, we're doing that, you know, we have one in New York last night. Um, we'll have 20 of these events across the U.S. in the net before Thanksgiving. And that will just continue. And I think that's all part of, you know, again, like building community. It's about 
bringing technology to transform how people work, but also bringing like, you know, companionship insights that come from people talking to each other. Um, and we want to facilitate that with, with sort of, you know, North Fire events. So if, if, if any of your like listeners are uh, out there, we'll definitely be in one of your cities and stay on the lookout because we'd love to have you come free food, free drinks, and you get a chance to meet other developers in, in your market that are doing cool things. Yeah, excellent, um, William. As 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 we close here, um, you know, I like to uh, you know usually end the conversation with a couple of questions, as sort of uh, you know uh, you know some sound advice, right? Um, your your path, like everyone else's, I think in in in, in the industry, uh, you know, is usually a winding road that kind of you know gets gets you to where you are. But I would love for you to. Um, you know, tell us any anything, any advice that you might have for somebody trying to get into the business, um, and kind of you know lessons learned from from you personally um, that you know w- you know would have been useful to your younger self if if you knew them then. Ooh, um, you know, I'm always hesitant to give people advice. I, I always think like, who am I to, <laughs> to give someone advice? But I, you know, I think. You know, if I'm looking at it from like two two angles, one is like, you know, my past life as a person on the traditional side of a real estate development industry and then other being on the tech side, I think in some ways my advice is probably similar for people that want to get into both. And that is really to think about just like, like I, I like to say just like possibility, like it is possible, um, right? Like everything that exists today, no matter like how complex or how massive was created by people just like you and me. Um, and so, you know, if you think about that in the simplest sense, that means like at some point, everything was nothing and it required like motivation, ingenuity, um, passion, interest to drive, drive it forward. And, and it's all very possible. So like, yeah. I think less than advice is encouragement is, I think it's, believe it's possible to do whatever you want to do. And I guess um, because it is, everything exists because it was possible and um, you can you can make things happen. Um, and then I would add on top of that is obviously um, stay engaged, talk to people in, in the industry that, you know, who can give you more direct feedback on what you're trying to accomplish and even be part of your network if you are trying to go build real estate projects or you're trying to jump into the tech industry. Um, and stay motivated. Like uh, there's so much opportunity and possibility out there. Uh, it's uh, it, it's it, around the world. Like it, all the world looks like magic, but it's not. It's just people like us making things happen every day. I love it. All right. Well, that's that's excellent. Uh, that's uh, you know you you exude a lot of positive energy. So that's. Uh, that's that's great to hear, uh, William. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Um, we look forward to learning, you know, more about you guys o- over the next years. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. You, you too, Limer. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoy talking to you. Great, great questions. Great conversation. And I, I appreciate you giving me uh, the opportunity to share our story. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business. Mm -hmm.